So my name is KB. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Um, I'm a husband, father, uh, hip-hop artist, a few other things, but I'm a minister of the gospel. Um, and I, I find that to be my, my most important um, uh, title, for that is what empowers, animates everything else that I do. And um, I uh, have three wonderful children, uh, a little girl named Nala and two boys um, who, uh, KBJ, my namesake, and then uh, Keanu, uh, Keanu Spurgeon. And, uh, and we are part of a small church in Tampa called Living Faith Bible Fellowship. And, uh, yeah, from the city, we are formed as, you know, followers of Jesus first. And then all those other things that I do, uh, I'm, I'm grounded from, from without, from within my community. So, which I've been serving for the last 18 years. So, yes. And I've been married for 12 in August to my wonderful wife, Michelle. So can you take us back to the start of your career, just kind of how you fell in love with music and then how you got involved and just from the ground up, how'd it start? Yeah, so the means by which uh, God brought me to himself was through hip-hop, Christian hip-hop. Somebody gave me a Christian hip-hop CD and it had a gospel presentation on it. And I was 16, um, and uh, I was um, immediately planted around other brothers and sisters that were making Christian hip-hop. Uh, which served to be an alternative to the stuff that I was listening to before. It didn't dawn on me how much the music that I was listening to was shaping how I thought about myself, how I thought about God, what I cared about, my passions. Uh, so I went through like a two-year detox. I didn't have music to... I, mean, I There was a few albums, uh, but I thought, man, I'm going to start trying to make the music that I wish existed. And uh, so that... That uh, that was part of it. And the other part of it was I wanted people to meet Jesus like I did. And uh, if I could be that album um, for somebody around the world um, and bring them into the, all right, we going to spar? <laughs> uh, bring them into this world of, of a relationship with God that I was brought into and what it, how it rescued me and settled me. And um, if I can create that for other people around the world, if God would be pleased to use me for that, I couldn't imagine and still can't imagine anything better. Um, so to do that uh, was, uh, it, it was it's what inspired me to start. To, to get the opportunity to do that was what inspired me to start. And then I just started making a lot of music and producing. And, and before I knew it, people were recording it and putting it on the Internet. And, uh, and I had record labels coming to ask me if I was interested in making this a career. That's awesome. Did you have a MySpace back in the day? I like, did. Top yes. eight, baby. <laughs> See? See? That's where it starts, everyone. Get back on MySpace. Um, love it. And uh, well, I just want to follow up question. So what are those conversations like? I mean, when when maybe it's a student comes up and it's like, your your music or this song changed my life. Yeah, I think the the more popular you become, the the more the the easier it becomes the easier it is to be disconnected from the people you're making music for um literally i'm i'm thinking of artists right now who who can't be in public without some kind of barrier around them um and what ends up happening is you just get more and more distance from um the people that inspired you to start making music 
So I think, and, I, and I'm nowhere near that space, uh, and don't want to be, and I will not, and I refuse it. But I think that for me, in the hustle of tours and travel and then business decisions and, um, you know, all of the, the kind of, we call it trellis work. So, you know, divine in the trellis, the, the, the stuff that, the, the stuff that no one likes to do, all of the, the travel and the, the pieces that go along with this career, with, with a music career that aren't spiritually encouraging. It's just, you just have to do it. That stuff can become so distracting that you're not getting to have touch points with people. So I think when, when individuals come up to me, whether it be in an autograph line or they write something into my office or online or something like that, and they talk about them experiencing God the way that I did when I got a hold of Christian hip-hop. Um, it is always something that I try to receive with humility, seriousness. I try to take a moment, um, ask the Lord to press it on my heart, for that is the reminder. Uh, it's the reminder, um, the thing that tethers me to the mission, because uh, that literally is what it is about. Yeah, yeah. And so I just want to, just real quick, I just want to say this to you. So I'm a dad of one of those kids. Oh, wow. Um, my son, and, and we were, it was at Winter Jam, and you just took time. with it. And I remember like, okay, come on, we got to go. And you were just so kind. So that's awesome. from a dad, like, I just want to say thank you. Like, that, that really means a lot. So Praise God, yeah, yeah, brother. Thanks. Yeah, thank yeah, you. that's dope. That's super dope. Yeah. And my friend said the song King Jesus, he said it slaps. So, <laughs> Gen Z language. I know, yeah. right? Those youngins, for sure. Uh, so what you said really there interested me, though, just the idea of how the music was affecting you, how you viewed God. And I mean, like a two-year detox of something you love is pretty intense. Yeah. What would you say to the teens that we're ministering to? We come up against this all the time where they're like, well, I just like music. I don't care about the words. It's not impacting me negatively i just like it like what would your advice be to someone like that uh i think it's um one i think that the that there's a measure of grace that god gives everyone and your path is going to look differently i mean jesus didn't have everybody sell everything that they owned um and give it to the poor uh but for some he did and i think for me because music had you know Hip-hop was, especially with my, I had a, a good father in my life for about seven years, and then there was a divorce, and then he was out of my life. And uh, music became my leadership, became my father. And, um, and because of the hold that it had on me, um, that I needed, like the rich young ruler, I needed uh, a detox. I needed some time to be away from it so that I can come back to it objectively. So I think that, that, that was true for me. Um, however, I do have a few friends um, who remind me that uh, just like all Christian music is not good, not all secular music is bad. And, uh, and God is sometimes pleased to use uh, a love song by Mariah Carey to bring people to the feet of Jesus. Uh, I think it's just good to remember that Evangelism um, is, you know, evangelism involves the conversion of the soul, obviously. That's the end of evangelism. But evangelism 
also involves the evangelism of the imagination. So if you can get into people's minds and get them thinking about good and evil and ultimate, asking ultimate questions, even if it's, it could be through a Chronicles of Narnia, that, that's a C.S. Lewis quote. That Chronicles of, He wrote Chronicles of Narnia. Sorry, y'all. I haven't slept. <laughs> he wrote Chronicles of Narnia to evangelize the mind of young people so that they would find Aslan in their youth, and then as they grow, they would see that it was Jesus that Aslan was referring to. And that's all through culture, whether it be through Neo in the Matrix or Superman or uh, Black Panther. All of these, these, what we called them was Christ figures, um, eva- uh, 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 evangelize the, the mind, and, and you, can, you can have that in music as well. So I think it's a balanced approach that, that, that I would take to it. That would be my advice. Well, one, one of the fun parts of, of this is we kind of get you in a kind of a small group and get to maybe share something, just like maybe a, a funny story, something that happened, whether it's like on stage, on the road, um, that, uh, that the whole creation doesn't get to hear, just kind of something fun. Or just that went terrible, you know, like the backdrop. Now, falling now down. we can laugh at it. All kinds of. <laughs> Where you walked out and you're like, wow, that was the worst crowd I've ever been around. You know, anything like that. One time I did a show with for King and Country, and, uh, and this isn't their regular target audience, but for whatever reason, we were in some strange place in Illinois, uh, and it was at a theater, and uh, I came on stage to do my raps, and literally everybody in the crowd was dressed in like suits, like they were at like a uh, a gala or some kind of cocktail party. And um, was that and the first time you saw them? Was when you walked out on stage? Yes. <laughs> and uh, and there was no black people. There was only a black person. It's me and my drummer. And I think we were the only black people probably for about 100 miles each way, <laughs> north, south, east, and west. And, um, and I think the average age was probably like 55. And it was a theater, like 2,000 of them in a theater. And uh, so that show went horrible. And uh, not Could- for any one particular reason that I just named, but just overall, they were like, we didn't come to hear this. And... Uh, <laughs> And I was like, well, that makes two of us, because I didn't come to rap for y'all. I thought I, thought I was going to rap for my people as well. Uh, hip-hop you know, connoisseurs. But uh, anyways, actually, it went horrible musically. But uh, I just preached the whole lot, and that went well. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, but then I went off, and I pulled Joe and Luke aside and said, so here's the situation. We can't do this again. So at that, I was on tour with them. So what we did was merged my set with their set. So it was just like the For King and Country KB show. And uh, so, uh, and, and that went really, really good. But that was the only time that the audience was like that. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, so all the other audiences were, I probably could have just did my show, but right, I was like, right. just to be safe, we'll just merge them. At the theater? I didn't even try. <laughs> uh, you just gotta pick your battles, man. <laughs> And what I, I, I embarrass myself all the time on stage. I'm sure I'll embarrass myself tonight. Uh, but I never really feel embarrassed, though, because I always think about it in terms of this is going to make a good story for my kids. It's like, man, I was at Creation Fest, man. So what was it, 20, 22? It was about 15 years ago. And 
And uh, this lady, man, oh, I had one lady who uh, in, San, in San Diego, in California, um, she was uh, nursing her newborn in the front row, in front of the subs, and, and with no cover. Not, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not, you can wear a cover or not, but I'm just saying she was nursing her baby and just at the show. <laughs> And, uh, and some of the leaders there, some of the youth pastors, tried to pull her aside. And on the screen of her phone, she had the, the Californian law about breastfeeding in public with a cover off. And she was like, I can do this. And she kept breastfeeding in front of the subs. And, wow. And uh, she, uh, she knew all the words. And um, God bless her, I guess. Did the law say you could have children in front of subs, though? You know yeah, what I mean? I like that, that might be a different <laughs> thing. They should have argued that. I was going to say, you know. <laughs> uh, so you get to go around, meet a lot of people, be, especially around students. I'm sure you're coming across young people, Gen Z. Uh, what advice do you have to a group here of leaders who we're doing the same thing, and, and you're meeting them from different crowds all over the nation? Like, what's, what's your advice to leaders here that are ministering to these students week in, week out? Yeah, Gen Z is tricky, um, and uh, the more that I have been reading and learning, it's kind of experience in life, too, as I'm like the middle child generation right now, um, it's, uh, th there's, a, a, there's some big gaps between uh, where they are, where, where students are today, and where we were when we were students, Na namely because of the, the, the digital age has fully matured now, and um, I think for a lot of young people, um, they are, you know, their greatest fear is to not be um, included, to feel like they're being left out. Um, their greatest mission in life is to feel a sense of purpose. They're not given to just trying to go earn a living somewhere. They watched their parents earn a living. Some of them earned good money, but had terrible marriages and no friends. And, um, and they're like, I'm good on that. I'd rather be poor and uh, be happy. And uh, so I think that you got people that are like, we want to feel purpose and uh, at all costs. I think there's it's also a generation of people, if a generation before said, I exist, so I serve. I mean, my father's father wasn't asking about what his purpose was. It, it was like, what needs to be done? And then that's what we went and did. Uh, and uh, but so I exist, so I serve. That was the folks before us. But this generation is I exist, so I deserve. So I feel like you all should be laying stuff at my feet. Um, they're very concerned about their rights, which is there's a lot of value in that. It was young's. It's always young people's concern about rights that changes stuff. Uh, the civil rights movement was led by a bunch of young people who were concerned about the rights of African Americans in this country, and um, so. I think there's some beauty in that, but there's also a, a ditch on the other side of extreme entitlement, um, extreme privilege, and a lack of concern about for getting your hands dirty. So I, I, I would say the challenge for leaders um, who are leading gen Generation Z is to try to first affirm the things that they are discovering that they have the liberty to discover. I mean, you think about generation before us were going to war every 10 years, so you're getting drafted, especially boys. There's a great book called The Boy Crisis about how terrible males around the world are doing in comparison to women for, for that matter. 
in terms of mental health, in terms of their academics, and in terms of their their um, how long they live. Studies show that if women, if men and women, just lived about the same amount of time, they had the same life expectancy. If they could get it even, that you would have done more for men than finding the cure for cancer. That's how, and men are largely killing themselves, along with all kind of other things, uh, in ways that have never have, have not been seen. So, anyways, I'm I could talk about that for a long, long time. But this, this to get to the, the challenge. I think the challenge is to affirm the things in generate in the, the young generation that are present, that are good, that we didn't have. Like when we again. Millennials are, are concerned about purpose and stuff like that, but we, really in rebellion against the generation before us, they say it doesn't matter about your passions and it doesn't matter your purpose. Do what needs to be done. There's some value in that, but it also is some value in God gave you unique skills and abilities and passions and dreams. How can I encourage you in that? You know, uh, so affirm them where they are, where they actually can teach us something, and then call them to a collective experience, a, a global experience that doesn't center around you and your friends online. Because if everybody says, I, I want to be a doctor. Well, if I want to even be a doctor, what kind of doctor? Well, I want to be a family doctor because I just want to be able to work from 9 to 5 and not have to do anything else. Then who's going to do the, the specialty surgeries? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like who, if, if everybody says, I got to go home and hang with my kids all day, who's going to work on us? You know, so I, so I think, or, or if we go to war, who's going to go fight? If everybody says, no, my mental health, I get you. Your mental health is important. I'm in therapy. I've always been. I'm, I'm a great proponent of that. But if you feeling a little sad stops everything, right. yep. Yep. how do we keep a society going? Yep. So, but you can only get to that conversation by getting people to peel back their individualism, their hyper-individualism that we taught them, okay, it was our generation that, that really the American dream is baked in hyper-individualism. You, your plot of land, your castle. And they have taken it and ran with it, and now they see themselves connected from the whole. And the Bible teaches a very different experience, that it's a global church and with a local expression that includes all kinds of other people that you serve and you sacrifice and you find that to be joyous. So we got to show that as well. Yeah. That is so good. And I'm so sorry about that fly. <laughs> you love me. Killing us. Um, so one, uh, one last question. Uh, it's, no, it's, not, it's not a secret. You have done so much for youth pastors. Um, you know, getting your music in the hands of students um, and, and, and conversations that have happened because of that, right? And, and like I said, I've, I've seen it. So the question that we have is how can we as youth leaders support you? I think um, one of the most powerful, so as I think about the rise of Christian hip-hop, especially as it kind of went into uh, more of, of an evangelical space, what has been, what was incredibly helpful is parents being promoters in their house. <laughs> so like, you hear the album, and it's like, please check this out. If the parents in our churches were being encouraged intentionally from the pulpit, from the elder meeting, from whatever, and intentionally trying to encourage parents 
to expose this stuff in their homes, I think that we would experience the, the most support. So it is, it's, it's more than just the endorsement of the youth pastor. We need the youth pastor in conjunction with the parents to say that we are a unified front because the music that the man the, the music that these folks that these rappers are making Christian rappers are making is good. It goes it can go toe to toe. I mean, it was more and more mainstream looks. You know what I mean? And then it's also not only is it good, it sounds like what's out. It's obviously carrying the the gospel. So we need buy in from parents along with the youth pastors. I love that. I love that. Um, so what, what we'd love to do, and we know you got to get back, could we just pray for you and uh, pray for tonight? So uh, if you guys want, you could just uh, stretch your hands out. Let's just pray real quick. God, I just thank you so much for this time. God, just to sit, um, to listen, and to um, just to allow KB to share his heart um, with all of us, and uh, just as he prepares to, um, to just stand tonight in, in front of so many um, and to do what you have called him to do, what you've gifted him to do. God, we ask that tonight would, uh, would be so much more than just about the performance. Um, but God, that, that tonight students would maybe hear something for the first time. God, that there would be something that w- it would be in a song or something that would be said that would literally change the lives uh, of people who are here tonight. And so God, we just thank you. Thank you for the incredible gifts that you have given to him and, uh, and the ability and the willingness that he has to share them with all of us. God, just right now, we just ask you we continue to bless him and his family and his career. We ask this all in your awesome name. Amen.